Hi everyone, welcome to the Spencer Lodge Sales Clinic. I don't know why I say that kind of Spencer Lodge Sales Clinic. <laughs> I don't know why I just say, hi, welcome to my sales clinic. <laughs> it's a bit, bit nuts that I'm saying myself in the third person. But anyway, um, on the episode tonight, I've got the gorgeous and wonderful Emma Bell with me. And we've been talking about mental health issues that people struggle with. Uh, Emma is a, a victim and a, it lives with mental health issues mm-hmm. herself. And I have had my challenges too along the way and, and still face them on a very regular basis. And whilst you might not know Emma, you certainly know me and you wouldn't necessarily think that about me but we all have chinks in our armor there's all parts to us as as human beings that that aren't perfect and whether we disguise them or whether we choose not to talk about them I suppose that's up to everybody but hopefully you enjoy this we've got a few few technical issues along the way so forgive me picking up different things throwing mobile phones glasses (laughs) and hammers axes at the team um, (laughs) if you can forgive some of that then uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the content that we created tonight and so thank you so much for coming on the show welcome thank you for having me Get it going with everyone. Hi, everyone, everyone from Facebook. How you doing? Nice to see you. Come and join us. Come and get involved. Okay, I want to make sure that you uh, you get the full experience tonight. So I'm uh, just waiting for some people to join before we go. Your love hearts, your thumbs up, your, your, your encouragement is really, really important tonight. So I want a lot of you guys to make the effort, please, to get involved in the conversation and try and, um, and learn as much as you can from what we talk about. Because the subject itself, I think, affects a lot more people than we know. And what it, what it really does is it impacts us all in many ways. And sometimes we don't realize it. Right, we're good. We are live. Okay, so I'm, can you turn the, oh, it's just not very bright. Can you turn up the brightness so I can see it? Because it's like, you've been, you've been, you've been <laughs> out on the beach or something. Okay, right, so go, who we got? Oh, oh we've got some unusual. Sandra, how are you? Nice to see you. Uh, Hussein, how are you doing? Craig in uh, the States. Let me know if you can hear me loud and clear and everything else. Come and say hi. Hi, David, how are you? Alvin, Kieran, okay, a whole bunch of you out there. So come on in, say hi. And, uh, and let us get started. So tonight on the Sales Clinic, we're going in a different direction. Rather than focus on the, uh, the the subject around sales, what we're going to be focusing on tonight is understanding mental health issues, understanding how really both of us, myself and Emma here, have mm-hmm. gone through a journey ourselves over the course of the last few years. And, and more importantly, trying to give you some understanding if you may suffer with any of this kind of stuff yourself and to know that this is a a safe environment for you to come and talk to us. If you want to ask your questions, we'll be happy to to get involved and answer those questions. But without further ado, welcome, Emma. Hello. (laughs) So your first Spencer Lodge experience live. I know. How long have we known each other? Not that long. A few months? A few months. A few months. And what connected us together? Um work initially um and then obviously we got talking and we found out that we had quite a lot in common um around the topic of mental health and also that i i have bipolar and you told me you did too suffering with the same thing yeah so guys if you're out there amma nice to see you john green how you doing megan all you guys out there on instagram let's get started with you guys and get stuck in so What's basically happened is 
uh, we've been on a journey ourselves and that journey has been through through either they're kind of like the obvious stereotypical types of things that people talk about those those generalist types of terms mm -hmm. that people say I'm depressed I'm yep. fed up I'm down in the dumps yep. um, uh, I got myself into a dark place but they couldn't really describe what it was mm -hmm. and then you went on a journey I went on a journey our mm -hmm. journeys are different they but are. it kind of led us to a very similar place yeah so why don't you start and I'll go second okay, okay. <laughs> thanks <laughs> by telling telling me and obviously yeah. the guys out there what happened to you so I didn't really know that I suffered with any sort of mental health condition until um I got diagnosed actually and I think a lot of people around me when I got my diagnosis they suddenly went yeah of course of course it makes total sense that Emma has bipolar um, but up until that point, a lot of people had just said, that's just Emma. You know, she's bouncing off the walls one minute, she's low the next minute, she's up 21 hours a day, got a hundred different projects on, and then there's and then there's a lull after that. And that had just been my life. Um, I remember feeling depressed when I was in my teen years and I went to the doctor, like you do. So they say, go to the doctor. And they put me on an antidepressant. And the result of that was, which is quite dangerous with somebody that has bipolar, is it sent me sky high. So I went full-blown manic and ended up starship. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You went sky high. That meant sky you went high. from to being, uh, when you were low with the bipolar, yeah. okay, the antidepressant picked you up. But when you came out the other side, it then turbocharged it, essentially. Correct. Yeah? You're, you're, good, like, you're good mood. A bit like an uncapped mortgage. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True story. So basically, um, it, it, when you when you have bipolar, sometimes you only display to the doctor when you are very, very low or very, very high. The hypermanic, the bits in between where you're seen as super productive, people don't ever see as a problem and neither do you. So I went to the doctor when I was feeling very, very low, got diagnosed with depression, got put on antidepressants, and as a result, went completely high. Ended up star-shaped flat on my back in the middle of the road in front of a bus trying to end my own life when I was about 16 or 17, something like this. Um, so they took me off them. And then I just didn't do anything else with it for a while. And then it represented itself probably when I was about 28, a mixture of work stresses, a mixture of life stresses. Um, I had three people die consecutively. And um, these are all triggers to an existing mental health condition, and it can trigger you into being unwell. So I'd gone that period of time of 10 years, being relatively well, productive, working hard, working three jobs, all of the things that I did that I was known for. And then big life events all happened one after the other. And I, be I just stopped overnight. I literally stopped. My whole world came crashing down. And I wasn't capable of doing anything, which to most people that know me, they probably couldn't really get their heads around that because that's just not who Emma is. Um, so I went to the doctors after six months of trying all different types of um, therapy, crystal healing, color glasses, you name it. I went to the doctors and they put me on an antidepressant again, but I didn't know I had bipolar at this point. So they put me on antidepressants and I went completely sky high again and thought people were chasing me, hearing voices, all sorts of crazy stuff. 
I then, my friend then took me after a good few weeks and um, me attempting to take my own life by going to the sea to drown myself. Um, my friend took me and said, this isn't right, this can't be right. And I then got the diagnosis of bipolar where they realized that actually an antidepressant for somebody with bipolar is like an uncapped mortgage that goes crazy and it's not manageable. So then I got put on mood stabilizers and then I got the diagnosis. And that's where my journey properly began because that's when I had to learn. And that's when you, that's when you understood that you had something. And yes. So someone had given it a label. Yes. Before it was called bipolar, it was called manic depressiveness. It was, yeah? yes. Okay, and so bipolar became uh, a, a different way of describing something. Yeah. But I think if, if people are prescribed or assume they have something called manic depression, um, I don't think it's a, a, a term that people can lean, lean into and talk about very easily. Well, no, I think people people used to think that manic depression was really depressed, yeah. which actually isn't a reflection of bipolar. Bipolar is the two opposites of mood, extreme high and extreme low. And you can circle in between, but manic depression, I think a lot of people used to think, oh, they're really depressed. So it's another so form of it depression. It didn't take just care just of the depression. Yeah, yeah, it didn't take care of the manic symptoms that bipolar does actually give the individual that's suffering. Okay. So yeah. So you 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 you've been on various medication. I have. Okay, so that's a different story to mine because I haven't. But yeah, did 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 it? Did, did do you find piecing accepting that it's a medical condition that needs to be medicated, or did you resist that at, at first? I resisted it for quite some time. Um, I, even when I was feeling very, very low, I resisted just taking an antidepressant for some time until my life became unmanageable and I had to yeah. accept help. Um, but it is difficult. I'm, I, I tried everything that I could. And I think it's always important to try everything that you can before, you know, perhaps going down the medication route. Because when you are showing subtle symptoms of something, there are subtle differences you can make in your life to put yourself back on track where you may not need that medical intervention, yeah. which is great. And, and I really think everybody should do those things. But when you get to a point where your life's in danger and somebody else's life could be in danger because of you, then I think medical intervention is life-saving. And in my case, it definitely saved my life. It has a place, it has a time, but it's definitely personal and individual to everybody. There's no one rule for everyone. Do how do you cope with it then on a day-to-day -day basis? How do you deal with it? Because you've got a, an important job, you work, yep. you know, your operations, HR, you have yep. to deal with people. I'm, I'm sure you have to keep a certain level of um, uh, stability yep. in how you conduct yourself towards mm -hmm. them and deal with their everyday dramas. Yeah, uh, correct. And for me, my journey really began when I got that diagnosis. So the best bit of advice I could give anybody is, if you do have a mental health condition and you do know what it is, don't put the blinkers on, go learn, learn, learn everything you can about it because the more aware you are of your own condition, the more you can learn to manage that in holistic ways, in lifestyle changes. Um, for example, now alcohol doesn't really uh, figure in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I try to avoid sugars. I try to avoid things that are too overstimulating, caffeine. S simple things actually are really, really helpful. Um, and the more you know about your condition, the more you can adapt your life to have a better life. Um, it takes a little while to realize that it's not a sacrifice. 
And it's, I definitely felt that. I felt I'm making lots of sacrifices here and I saw the bipolar as the enemy and me and, you know, this fight. But actually you just have to accept and you just have to accept and adapt and not see it as a loss because if you see it as a loss, you're not going to have a better life. So you have to just see it as part of you, accept it and grow with it. Okay, just for all of your information here, we are not trained professionals no. <laughs> at this particular subject. However, we are we are <clears throat> people that have experienced stuff. Mm -hmm. So much like yourself. Now, there's a lot of people out there that might think, mm -hmm. I don't have depression. I'm just feeling down in the dumps. Mm -hmm. uh, and I felt down in the dumps for a number of months. Mm -hmm. uh, the, those people, I think, in many respects, don't see it as depression. They just, they might use depression or depressed for the day as a buzzword. Yeah. But I believe that people are in that place, uh, are in that place for a reason and, and, and mm -hmm. not accepting that there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just that, you know, I'm just not feeling great at the moment mm -hmm. is probably a bigger problem than sitting down and, and talking to somebody about it. What do you think about that? I think um, there's lots of factors that can lead somebody to being in a bad place. So there are hereditary factors that are proven. There are social factors. So if, somebody is in financial hardship, if somebody has um, lost somebody and they're grieving and then maybe not getting the support that they need, that can then turn into clinical depression if left unseen to. So I do believe a lot with people that suffer with depression or are feeling depressed, if you can do something to help yourself or find some support early enough, then you can steer the ship a different way. Sometimes when these outside factors are burdened to you for too long and you carry them and you carry them alone for too long, I think that's the biggest part of it is feeling alone and carrying things alone for too long, then it can turn into clinical depression because you can forget, you know, our bodies are wired to do things. It's like if you broke your leg, you were used to running, you run right? You used to running every day and then you broke your leg and you couldn't run for three months. They take the cast off. Are you able to run? Yeah. Straight away? No, you've got to build it up. Yeah. So there's a, what I'm trying to say is your brain is just like any other part of your body. And I think we're very happy to accept that there's something wrong with your heart, there's something wrong with your leg, there's something wrong with your liver, I've got something wrong with my eye. But when it comes to the brain, this is the bit that blows my mind, it's the least understood organ in the entire body, yet a vast percentage of people refuse to accept that something can go wrong with it. But yet it's the organ we know the least about mm. and controls everything. Interesting point that is. It controls everything, right? Do you think you're able to, or you often can spot the behaviors and moods in other people to be able to identify whether it's just a bad day or there's something more with people that you know? With people that you know, if you know them well, then I think it's easier to pick up on those signs. Um, with people that I don't know, I think anybody that's gone through something like that themselves, you do become a little bit more in tune with it. Um, before I realized that there was... Get, hold on one second. All right, guys. So let's just get back to the subject matter. Okay, so you, what's my story? Yes. I like to share my story. No, I don't. <laughs> so, thank you for sharing yours. Thanks yeah. for giving us the information that you gave. Um, for me, 
my situation, when you like you talk about getting the broken leg, I think my situation came all at once. Mm-hmm. I don't think I acknowledged I had a problem. I had ups and downs. I know I had battles and whatnot. I th- mm-hmm. But I think that I never really identified stuff. And so it was, there were three big events that took place for me in 2012. Those three events sent me into a very dark place, sent me into deep depression from deep depression, sent me into suicidal thoughts and then suicidal behavior and then suicidal plans. Yeah. Um, and it was my father in the UK that identified it and he took me to the Priory and luckily got me in front of a psychiatrist that was able to um, really understand, help me understand me. Yeah. And then understand the impact what I was doing was going to have on my children. Mm-hmm. And so when that when that happened to me, that was my first kind of realization that something was really wrong. However, I was on medication for something completely different. Mm-hmm. So the thought of taking different types of medication frightened me. Okay. So I was on painkillers for my spinal stuff. And so, God, Lizzie, can you put your phone on silent? <laughs> and, and... Th- the situation when I realized there was a problem I was I was offered medication so it was Mm -hmm. like no yeah and it was like no I can deal with this yeah 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 and it was almost like a stubbornness rather than trying to embrace anything I think that's normal though yeah yeah I think that's completely normal because I think that people when they're feeling depressed and they're especially if they're feeling suicidal yeah Generally, when someone's feeling suicidal, they're feeling like they're failing or a failure in some respect of their life. So to then be told, hey, take this medication, it's like you failed again, right? So I I think it's completely normal for people when they're offered medication to push back. I I don't think I know anybody that hasn't pushed back when they've been offered that as a solution because to them in their world, it's just another thing that they can't do themselves. So I think that's normal. Hmm. Interesting point. Let us know what your thoughts are, guys, along the way. Let us know. Okay, Raj, if you're listening, yes, the Facebook is down at the moment. It's being reset and set up. So, yeah. All right, so I want to deal with some questions here that people have. Mm. And these questions get emailed. And every week I get questions. And generally, on every session that I do, I get five, six, ten questions, whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'll answer that. Oh, that's another good one. I can answer that. (laughs) Oh, that's my thing, that one. And I'll answer that. (laughs) And so I kind of go into this flow of thinking, what great questions they are. These questions, um, they've, 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 they've... got me really thinking because I don't necessarily know the answers yeah. to them. So what I'll do is I'll read the question out okay. and we'll both have a go at trying to to give our two penny worth on it to see if we okay. can be valuable, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so Sarah Jones in the UK. So hi, Sarah, how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, she says, do you have any suggestions how leaders and management in organizations can be trained to identify the difference between a mental health problem and a performance issue? Such an important question. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you in your profession yep. have got to have some exposure to this, yeah? Yes. Okay, give us your thoughts. So Sarah's in the UK, yeah. right? Um, when I was in the UK, I was very lucky to take place in a two-day training session with a company at the time, um, Grassroots, they're a charitable organization, and they give training based on um, the assist and safe talk model. And it is all about identifying Um, warning signs, all about how you can talk to someone safely. So there are 
in organizations, if you're the employer, if you're the manager, there are companies out there, there are charitable organizations out there where you can, um, they're nonprofit, you know, you can pay them to come into your company and deliver a training. You do um, uh, health training, right? You do training as part of your group? First aid training? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is like first aid for mental health and suicide. Right. There are structures, structured trainings that can be brought into your company to do exactly that. There is a solution for that. Okay. And in her, in her position, in, mm-hmm. are, there, are, there, are there telltale signs? Or is it actually quite difficult? It can be very difficult, but there are there are some signs, um, which I kind of went through as part. I recapped on some of the training that I'd had. Um, do you want me to give you a few? Yeah, give me an idea. Yeah. So some of the ones... Um, to spot are withdrawing from friends and family, which would obviously be easier to see in a personal situation. Um, depression or low mood, which if you were their manager, you would see a decline in someone's mood if you, we, we spend so much time at work, right? So as a manager, you would see that, notice that in somebody. Um, loss of interest, um, a drop in performance, and a lack of um enthusiasm to kind of do anything about it could be a, a warning sign in a workplace. For a sustained period of time. Yeah, yeah. for a sustained, yeah. Um, extreme sadness or irritability is showing signs of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, negative comments about self. So if you're around someone who's really quite negative about themselves all of the time, their self-talk is probably not that great. Um, and it could be a sign. So it's not that all of these are signs, it's just they could be. Um, Talking about some big ones, actually. Talking about going away or saying goodbye. Uh, you know, if someone's sort of talking generally about a big plan to go away or, you know, they need to go and have a trip to suddenly see all of their family, that could be a sign that someone is perhaps planning. Planning. Yeah. Um, talking about suicide quite a lot. Um, also... If you can see signs that someone's starting to put their personal affairs in order, or if someone's talking about giving away some of their treasured items, it that can be like an organization, that can be the beginning warning signs of someone making a plan um, to perhaps end their life, actually. Um, so they're kind of the more severe um, warning signs that you could pick up on. Okay, good, okay. <sighs> Heavy yeah. subject, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a serious subject. But important. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So Nadia Abdul in Dubai says, do you believe that work-life balance goes hand in hand with mental health? And do you think all companies should have a policy on work-life balance? Okay, so this is going to be my kind of, um, mm. my real real opinion on this. This is, this for me, this is this is something that I, I don't like the term work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And to me, needing a work-life balance means you don't enjoy what you do. And... Yeah. But, and again, I come from a business development world, yeah. so I don't come from a salaried employee world. Yeah. Um, I come from the place where I build things and I do what I do because it's, mm-hmm. it's my passion to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if I was in a job and it was a steady job and I got a steady wage, um, I would find that would that would bring me down. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about what kind of opportunities existed in my future if I was in that place. So, so yeah. maybe... We can answer that from different points of mm-hmm. view. But to me, if I don't think you need 
um, hobbies if you really love what you do. I don't think you need uh, you know this balance that people talk about if mm -hmm. you really love what you do. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't believe in burnout either. Mm -hmm. I think burnout comes from people that don't love doing what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're not on the planet very long. So if you're stuck in doing something that you don't really, really love, yeah. then you do have a choice. You can yeah. make choices. You can move in another direction if you want to. You're just... You've just settled for where you are, which creates then further doubt, depression, misery, mm -hmm. uh, regret, okay, mm -hmm. that then could lead you into these places of thinking, what, what, what kind of stimulant do I need mm -hmm. to deal with this kind of, this heavy set of scales here? How do I balance it out? And that's mm -hmm. where the kind of like life balance thing comes in. Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying and because of your well, that was very diplomatic <laughs> because of your <laughs> you should have said that's a lot of rubbish. <laughs> I completely disagree but because you're so passionate in your entrepreneurial spirit I can completely understand why you feel that way and in a lot of in a lot of respects I agree with a lot of what you say but when we're talking about a subject like this that is so broad and so personal to everyone, I think it's important to understand that some people don't want the life that you have, actually. They have different desires. Their mm. desire is to do a nine to five. Their desire is to do that. And I think it's important to be able to recognize that in your employees, who are your nine to fivers and who are your, you know, shoot for the stars yeah. and actually every company and this whole world needs different types of people because if everybody was like you you wouldn't have anyone to employ right <laughs> yeah agreed so yeah. <laughs> so it's really important to acknowledge all of those different types of people we'd kill each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> It'd be chaos so it's really important to acknowledge all those different types of people so if you are the sort of person that wants a nine to five, Monday to Friday, then work-life balance does come into it, yes. If you are the sort of person that is an entrepreneur and you're out to do your own thing and have complete freedom that comes with that, then perhaps no, because you're actually sculpt sculpting a totally different life landscape. So the two things are very different. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in response to that question mm. then, okay, what do you do about it? So the question, going back to the question is, do you think all companies should have a policy on work-life balance? Um, I think it's important to be respectful and I think it comes down to, as a manager, you should be able to recognize in your employees who those different types of people are and don't force a, a, a square peg in a round hole. You know, it's mm -hmm. bring the best out of people in the environment that they thrive in. If they thrive in a nine to five, don't contact me outside of those hours. But yes, in the nine to five, you get, 150% out of them then do that mm -hmm. if you've got Most someone company, that's... yeah but the way that technology has moved it's made it now very difficult for anyone to even yeah. even if they say don't contact me while I'm on vacation mm -hmm. don't contact me while I'm on holiday mm -hmm. emails come in messages come in mm -hmm. and you feel compelled just as you would at eight mm -hmm. o'clock in the evening mm -hmm. during a working week to, to, to answer them. So could companies do more to say, you know what, we do acknowledge that you work nine to five and we pay you for nine to five, yeah. but, but you're also putting in a bit more time than you normally shouldn't really have to. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we'll, 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 we'll play ball with you mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll give you the opportunity maybe to, to, to twice a week to go and, do that yoga class at 2 p.m. that you really want to do or, or I mean, do flex that. flexibility, I think, is always a plus, right? Because if you can tap into what it is people really want out of their life, then you'll get the best out of them professionally. Mm -hmm. um, 
So if you've got someone that's working all the hours for you and but you know that they've like they've got one yoga class they want to make at two o'clock on a Friday, but yet the other days they're working five extra hours, then for me that's fair and it's a good thing, right? And you're gonna get far more out of that relationship. But when it comes to work-life balance, you have to just it's personal to you. And there may be family pressures on the person where that family pressure could be causing them stress for answering an email at 11 o'clock at night. or So that that's where the balance comes in. It is personal. And I think it's down to the ground managers to recognize what their individual people need. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, so those of you who are asking, just to, uh, uh, Emma Bell is her name, just for those of you that don't know her name. <laughs> so for those of you on Facebook that were out there for a while, sorry guys, we had a problem. We had computers crashing and... Um, yeah, I blame Alicia and I blame uh, Lizzie and I take no responsibility myself even though I am fully responsible. Okay. Okay, so Joe, hopefully you've got the name now. Right, next question. Chris from Joburg. So hi, Chris, hope you're well. Hope you are well. Say hi to Chris in the big camera. Hi, Chris. <laughs> okay, Chris says, my boss recently found out that I suffer from depression and was angry that I didn't disclose this fact when I first applied for the job. I have the feeling, however, that had I done so, I would not have got the job. Why do you think there's such a negative stigma surrounding depression? And surely I shouldn't have to share the details about my mental health with the people I work with. Okay, there's a lot in that question. Mm. Um, If he was, let's start with the first point. If he was angry that you didn't tell him, but you feel that perhaps you wouldn't have got the job if you had told him, it sounds like they're able to talk fairly frankly with each other if this conversation's even happening. Perhaps um, be upfront and say that to him. You know, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you. It was because I was concerned that if I was honest, I wouldn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And see what see what they say. And also ask for feedback. You know, to to date, from the date that you employed me till now, do you feel like anything? to do with my mental health has affected my job or have I performed well? And maybe that could put that bit to bed. Um, there is a lot of stigma around it. I was saying to Spencer earlier that I did a little poll on my Instagram and one of the questions was three questions. Have you suffered from mental health? 85% of people said yes. Do you have someone to support you and talk to? 85% of people said yes. And the third question was, are you able to talk about it at work without feeling judged or without having your professional standing questioned? And 47% of people said no. So there is a big stigma around work. And I think perhaps some people are worried that it will reflect that they may not be efficient. They may not be able to perform at an optimum level where they would be, be valuable for the salary that the employer wants to pay them. And maybe some employers would be worried that there would be a lot of time off sick or any of those things. So unfortunately, there is stigma around it. Um, what do you think? I think that that if somebody said to me they suffered from depression, I think because I've suffered from depression, mm-hmm. I, I would be compassionate mm-hmm. towards them. But I can completely understand why you wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, it's like saying, and it's not the same thing, but it's almost like saying, you know, 20 years ago, I got, I got, I lost my driving license for drink driving. Yeah. It's like, are they going to judge me? Yeah. You know, I, I, I stole 
10 boxes of toilet paper from the office supplies. <laughs> and it's, it's like, are they going to judge me? Is someone yeah. going to judge me? And if I get judged, do I want to be judged? Mm-hmm. And then, and also if you, you suffer from depression, then not only do you not want to be judged, you also fear way more, okay, when you're in that mindset, you fear, fear way more that the outcome's going to be negative rather than positive anyway. Oh, yeah. So you're expecting bad news. And so maybe mm-hmm. you avoid giving that out. So mm-hmm. I understand the boss being frustrated that, that he wasn't told because I, I'd want to know. Mm-hmm. But I also have, have a huge amount of sympathy for him because yeah, maybe maybe I wouldn't have wanted to to do that myself. No. So what you said is right, you know, mm-hmm. the, go and deal with it that way is right. Mm-hmm. But for me... In that moment, I can completely understand. Well, I'd, you know, even in my current role with who I currently work for, I didn't go up to them on my first day and say, hey, guess what? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got bipolar. Really yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't. bet you're glad you did this two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, I didn't do that um, for all of those reasons. And I suppose for me, um, like anything, like a heart condition or you can have a lot a lifelong condition that is managed so you're well Mm -hmm. because you have all of these things in place to be well so that for me was my story when i started with um my company who i work with and have worked with for the last nearly five years but i didn't go up and tell them on day one but what i did do is i felt like would you know what I'll, i'll prove myself I'll prove that my capabilities, because at work, that's all you want. All you want to do is be good and show you're capable and worthwhile and you deserve to be at the table. So I proved, in my mind, I did enough to prove that first. And then I had that conversation. So I felt like maybe I needed to get some credibility before I had that conversation. But I mean, I've been very lucky um, because all I've been met with is kindness, understanding and compassion so Mm. I'm very fortunate but I'm also aware that's not everybody's story and it is hard okay well guys on Instagram and on Facebook right now do me a favor if you've ever suffered with depression or anxiety or anything that is within that mental health issue perspective could you just type in the comment section yes if you've ever if you've ever suffered at all and let's find out the people that are listening right now guys on facebook guys on instagram do me a favor just type in yes if you've ever suffered with anything like that i want to see what your feedback is okay i'd like to see what you've got to say on it let's have a look okay so yeah let me know that's it so start typing in thank you for all these love hearts guys i really appreciate it um uh, i mean it's all coming in okay um nor it, yeah, there's loads coming in here saying mm-hmm. yes. On Facebook, do the same, please. I know there's a bit of a delay on Facebook. On Facebook, guys, you do the same, please. Um, yeah, we've just got yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. There's one person mm-hmm. said no, and we've yep. just got yes, yes, yes. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How how there's so many people that are just... Yep. It's like, that's overwhelming, you know? <laughs> that really is overwhelming. Okay, yeah, we've got it coming through. Guys... Look, we, we seem to be, you're listening here tonight, we seem to be all very much on a very, very similar page. We've, we've experienced it before. It may have been caused by what goes on in our personal life. It may have been what goes on in our private lives. Uh, uh, sorry, our, our professional lives. It may be a really, uh, a really poisonous boss. 
that can take us down a path. Mm-hmm. It can be a, 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 a feeling of lack of worth and lack of opportunity within the workplace. Um, it can be just frustration. Or, I mean, boredom is something that I've suffered from for many years, even at school. And boredom's led mm-hmm. me into dark places because mm-hmm. I need I always need to be kind of evolving and mm-hmm. growing or active or you know well, everyone needs a sense of purpose as yeah, well and I absolutely. think when when someone loses their sense of purpose that can be a factor but there's also hereditary factors and like I said earlier you know social factors if you're um if your life is is a place of financial hardship or things like that all of these things external factors can can lead you to feeling in in a very bad place Hmm. Okay, cool. It can it really can happen to anybody. Yeah. Okay, next one is an anonymous person from Dubai that didn't want to say their name. So he says, I struggle with severe anxiety and last week I had a panic attack. It's a, he or she, I don't know. I suffer, sorry, I struggle with severe anxiety and last week I had a panic attack in front of a client when they confronted me about the fact that they're not happy with my services and wanted to terminate our contract. I know this isn't professional, but recently I just can't seem to control my emotions and everything feels like it's spinning out of control. Do you have any advice on what I should do? First of all, Anonymous, uh, you didn't need to be anonymous, but I appreciate you asking the question. Um, Thank you for your honesty and sharing your your point with us. What do you think, Em? Well, firstly, I'm I'm just really sorry that you're feeling like that right now because... um, I know what that feel, feels like and it's lonely and it's scary and it's horrible and um, and I'm sorry that you're in that place right now. So um, I think this can't all be linked to that one event. There has to be something else going on. Um, so you need to take some time for you and figure out um, what's going on. So try and figure out if it's external factors, try and figure out if it's always been that way. Um, there's some kind of resources that I don't know, maybe you could share as a link at the end. Um, there's some links that I used when I felt out of control, like the world was spinning, like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was happening to me. Um, you know, 10, that's 2008, 2009. Um, and there are things that I did online so you can do it in the privacy of your own home without any judgment without anything you can go on there's one for depression one for anxiety and for me um uh, bipolar so i kind of um had the three but i'll get spencer to share the links do them and see what your result comes out like it's an it's a nice easy way to gauge yourself it also asks you questions about how you how long you've been feeling a certain way over what period of time, because it's very easy to lose perspective on yourself when you're not in a good place. So it can help you put some perspective on it in black and white. And then my advice would be to take that to a professional person and just show them if if the results are high, show them and say, this is where I'm at and, and start getting some help and support and talk. Be brave and talk, mm. it's so important. Good one. Okay, Ibrahim in Abu Dhabi. Nice. Thanks for coming on, mate. I really appreciate you sending me an email this week and and asking your question. But he said, I used to love life and my job, but for the past five years, I just don't anymore. My job is simply a job uh, and I have to do it to earn a living. And if I'm honest, I have zero drive to try anything new. How do I get myself out of this awful funk? (laughs) 
I think Ibrahim, I mean, there's a whole bunch of questions more that I would, yeah. if I was with you, I would ask you, I would ask, you know, I want to know where you are and you know what age you're at. I'd want to know what's mm-hmm. going on with your family. I'd like to know more about the job that you're doing. Um, I, it would be a bunch of questions that I would start asking to, to find out more. I don't think there's a, you, you get out of it. For, for me, the way that I keep evolving is that I, I give myself goals and, you know, some people big up goals and some people don't, but I give myself goals because they give me something to focus on. And when I've got something to focus on, then I get a reward for achieving that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, anything fancy. It just has to be the reward of the the, the, the self pat on the back for mm-hmm. getting there. Mm-hmm. And by doing that and then uh, resetting each time, it gives me then constantly something to be reaching for. If you don't have something to reach for, and you don't like your job, and you don't know what you want to do, and you don't know how to get out of it, all you're going to do is then it's going to be an ever decreasing spiral, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's just going to continue to go down. Um, uh, I, I'd, so for, so for me, I, I don't even think you can answer that question quickly and easily. I think it's a question mm. that you need to put uh, quite a bit of time into to understand. I mean, what do you think? Em? I think you need to understand where all these different feelings are coming from. And there's there's a little tool that I've been using just ever so recently that I shared with you actually, that is really helpful to start understanding where your emotions are coming from and which sections of your, li- of your life. Um, there's this little tool called the feelings wheel. And the if, feelings, wheel. feelings wheel, you can Google it, download it. And what I would say to do, I've started doing it every single day and you can write down all the feelings that you feel. So you could put different hats on. So your work hat, um, I don't know if this person has a partner or a family, so a partner hat, a, a parent hat, a friendship hat, and you could write down every emotion that you felt. So using this wheel, it's really easy, and write down every emotion that you feel for all the different areas of your life. Do that every day for a little while, and you will soon see a pattern evolving that will help you to start changing the direction of whatever area of your life is bringing you down. Um, Because from what you said, there's so many different things going on. So I think it's important to understand where those feelings are coming from first, and then try and take some action in the area of your life that it's affected by. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll share these things and maybe you can just share them all at the end. All right, good, excellent stuff. I think we've been going, how long have we been going guys? 48 minutes. Okay, so guys, we're going to wrap up now. If you would like to know more, um, uh, ask Emma more questions, ask me more questions, or you'd like me to get involved in this subject and put more time and effort and energy into it and produce Mm. some more content around it, then please, please, please let me know. Because if you do, then I will make sure that I service you with that type of information. And also, you know, we can sit and brainstorm and and learn more about it together. Because I I think it's such a, a, a deep and detailed subject that mm-hmm. we could, we could, I mean, we could sit here for the next two hours, couldn't we? And we would, yeah. we, we, we would fly by. Mm-hmm. So for the, for the benefit of all you guys out there, I know you've got things to do with the evening. Thank you for coming to join us on the show. Emma, thank you so much for coming to join us. Thank you for having me. Okay, it's been really great having <laughs> you here. And uh, yeah, if you want to find Emma, then by all means you can. Check her out, Emma Bell. You'll find her, if you want to go on to, go on to my Facebook or my Instagram and search her there. She's there. But you, you oh, you had the weight loss <laughs> thing, you know, because you, yeah. can I share that? You can. Can I? <laughs> yes, you so, can. So Emma went on this this mad weight loss <sighs> program that she created with herself and I don't know who else. So two and a half years. So slow and steady. Slow and steady. So slow her Instagram steady. handle is what? Be fit Be- by 40. Bell fit by 40. Bell fit by 40. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. 
You can see everything in all and its then, glory. And then, and then, and then yeah, go on Instagram and go <laughs> Bell Fit by 40. And then when you go on there, go and write something nice. Right? <laughs> go, go and write a nice comment or a nice compliment. Or just be honest. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, take it easy. Thanks for coming on the show and we will see you all very soon. Bye now. <laughs>